Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast, a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. This is episode 30, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're listening to this upon release week, this is the week after Christmas, and I hope you had a great holiday, a great Christmas. It definitely was a different Christmas for me. The year 2020 put some hindrances in our normal plans, but it still was a great holiday. And above all, it was an awesome Christmas Eve service that we were a part of, probably the best service that I was a part of. The Holy Spirit was definitely moving. So I'd love to hear from you. What has God shown you during this holiday season? How was your Christmas? Let me know. So with the new year approaching, a lot of people pick up new devotionals. And I just released a 14-day devotional called Eyes on Jesus. And I'd love to get a copy to you free of charge. Check out the link in the show notes, and I'll send you a 14-day day free discernment devotional to you, and I hope that it blesses you. And for today, I have Adam Weber on the show. He's a pastor in South Dakota. He has an awesome new book called Love Has a Name. And, you know, I hate to choose. It's like choosing children, but this might be my favorite episode that I've released so far in this podcast, even though I love them all. And I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. I'm here with Adam Weber today. Adam is the founder and lead pastor of Embrace, a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's also the author of Talking with God and Love Has a Name. He also hosts a podcast called The Conversation. Welcome to the show, Adam. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Tim, it's a huge honor to cross paths with you and to be on your podcast today. So I'm excited about this time. Absolutely. I'm, I'm honored uh, just for you being on. I, I've listened to your podcast as well. You've had some, some amazing guests on, some big names, and, and you're doing so much. Just had a book that released. So we're going to talk about all that. But before we get there, just uh, give everyone just an overview of, of yourself, your family, and any personal facts you'd like to share. Yeah. So I'm uh, born and raised from South Dakota. been trying to leave the state my entire life. And now <laughs> slowly, it's taken 38 years. I've fallen in love with this place. But uh, originally from South Dakota, uh, came to Christ later on in high school, had a huge uh, transformation. Like I'm, I mean, I went from not wanting anything to do with God to following Jesus. I went to uh, college in Sioux Falls at Augustana. And I went for business and marketing, always thought I'd work at an ad agency of some kind or start a business and, and just use it for good. Uh, summer before my senior year of college, ended up filling in for a pastor. I was supposed to be on a spring break trip. Uh, my buddies and I, we were trying to buy an old broken down Chevy Cavalier station wagon from a guy in downtown Sioux Falls. He wanted 350 bucks for it, but we only had 250. And I, my buddies and I begged him to sell it to us for 250 bucks because we were going to drive it to California, leave the car and then see who could hitchhike back fastest to Sioux Falls. <laughs> so that was our plan, but God had other plans. So I wasn't on the spring break trip, ended up filling in for a pastor up in Wapiton, North Dakota. Within the first week, I knew I was going to be a pastor. Uh, went to seminary after finishing business school in Kentucky. Uh, got married to my wife. And then the next day, we moved to Kentucky, actually. Finished there. Started a church in Sioux Falls at 24 years old. I wouldn't, wow. let my, I wouldn't let my 24-year-old self <laughs> borrow my car right now, by the way. Uh, and uh, so started a church I didn't want to start. Uh, and it's been just a wonderful, hard heartbreaking, beautiful story. 
I got four kids. I've uh, been married 16 years. Got a bunch of random animals. I like old stuff. So I have a 36 Chevy that I drive around along with a tractor in my garage. And I'm the biggest nerd that you've ever seen. And so, uh, but just, just genuinely, um, the most unlikely of person for God to use. And so if God can somehow, some way use me, he can use anybody. And I mean that. That's what God likes to do, man. Look all throughout the Bible, people that had other plans and, and God wrecked their lives. So yes. that's awesome that not just that you're not just that he did that, but that you heeded the call. And so that's yeah. awesome. God honors yeah. that when we walk in obedience. He definitely does. Yeah, he absolutely does. And um, the longer I follow him, uh, and I'm a stubborn mule, by the way, <laughs> and I'm also very driven. And um, so I'm easy to get off track is, I, I, I mean, I start running 5,000 miles per hour. And yet the longer I follow him, it's like, God, I don't want anything that's not what what you want me to do. Yeah. Because every, every time I get what I, I want instead of what he wants, it ends up in brokenness and hurt and yeah. regret. And a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> like Dave Ramsey says, he's better than he deserves. We're, we're all yes. better than we deserve. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's so true. So how did you uh, get to where you're at today with the, the church you're at and in the books you're writing? Like, how did all that come to come into fruition? Honestly, uh, everything happened against my will, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like every, what you just mentioned, none of those were on my five-year plan. Um the church, the pastor who led me to Christ, who led me into ministry, who led me to my the seminary I went to, he called and said, hey, we have an idea of starting a church in Sioux Falls. What do you think? And I said I wasn't interested in that Sioux Falls didn't need another church. Mm-hmm. And he said what every pastor says to make you feel guilty. He said, well, why don't you pray about it? <laughs> and I didn't pray about it, honestly. Mm-hmm. But God just began to orchestra a plan that I couldn't escape. Um, wow. I came back, I came back to do my brother's wedding. This pastor heard about me doing that. And he said, how about this? How about you send an email and I'll send an email and we'll see who shows up. Oh, wow. So that was, that was four days before we were asking them to come. It was Labor Day weekend, which nobody does anything on Labor Day weekend, except go to the lake. Yeah. I didn't want to start a church. We didn't have an idea for a church. And that night, 32 people came. Wow. Um, it was the start of the church. And so Again, it's, uh, I definitely didn't want to do it. And uh, with writing a book, I didn't want to write a book. And my, I have a friend who's in publishing world and he's spoken at Embrace a couple of times and finally just cornered me one of the, on one of the trips and said, I really think you need to write a book. Um, in South Dakota, I don't know of any pastor who's written a book with a publisher. Um, so it's a, really a foreign concept here. Yeah. And I just said, I don't want to write a book. Um, I know what comes with a little bit of the celebrityness. Um, all of a sudden you start getting shot at by people who dislike to shoot at people. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, I'm not interested. And he ended up getting me a phone call with an agent. I literally didn't even know what an agent was. And five <laughs> minutes later, I was getting on a phone with one. Wow. And, um, and so really didn't want to do it. And yet God just continued to open doors. And so, um, I think for me, just that willingness to say yes, even, when it, when I, when I don't want to, that willingness to say yes, even when I, it's not in my plan is how it's all happened totally against my will. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's so good. So let's get to know you a little bit real quick. So what's your favorite movie of all time? Oof. I'm going to say, so this, I'm like, this is kind of a weird one to say My, my current favorite in my brain is the count of Monte Cristo. Oh yeah. 
it's the a little one bit of with a, Jim Caviezel or the old one with Jim Caviezel. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. And um, man, that is just a great uh, story. I need to actually watch it again. Cause it's been a few years since I watched it, but a story, beautiful story of grace. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just love that movie. It's really good. We were just at Infidel this past weekend watching that. And I, w- I, I had the same thought as like, I need to see Count of Monte Cristo again. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely need to do that. Cool. If you could meet anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oof. If I could meet anybody alive or dead. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've met all the people that I've really wanted to meet alive or dead. I, actually, this is going to be a weird one. Uh, Justin Bieber would be my person. Really? Okay. Yeah, it would be Justin Bieber. There's other people that I've wanted to meet. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Gumbel, the pastor of HTB Church yeah. in London, is somebody that I've wanted to meet. Uh, Andy Dalton, uh, the quarterback now for the Cowboys, is somebody I've wanted to meet. Uh, I got to meet him. I, I think it would be Justin Bieber. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of anybody who um, is just a redemption story and yeah. just see God at work in his life and um, he's somebody that I, I cheer on and it sounds crazy, but I pray for on a regular basis. Cause, um, I can't imagine trying to follow Jesus, um, from his shoes. I think it'd be very, very challenging to yeah. do. And um, I, I thank God for, for, for that. So be Justin Bieber. How weird is that? I never thought I'd say Biebs on this interview. Bieber fever in 2020. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, so, uh, who's a favorite author of yours or maybe a book you would recommend? Oof. Oh my gosh. I got way too many favorite authors right now. I'll just say what I'm, I'm reading right now. Right now I'm reading, uh, I've never read either of their books. Um, right now I'm reading a book by Lisa Bevere, Mm, uh, uh, called Godmothers. Okay. (laughs) I told her, I said, I might be the only dude reading (laughs) Reading that book. Yeah. But I'm reading Godmothers and it's a great book. Uh, I would encourage it for women. And honestly, encourage it for men. And then I'm reading her. So I've I've crossed paths with Lisa now a, a few times. She's awesome with her son Addison. Um, I don't know her husband, but I'm reading this brand new book called X. Mm. Uh, it's this the letter X, and it's basically about multiplying, oh, like cool. our, our what God has entrusted us with. And that's been a fantastic, fantastic book. So I'm excited about crossing paths with him someday. Yeah, awesome. Then what hobbies do you have? What do you like to do? You said, do you have a lot of animals? What else, uh, what occupies your time? <laughs> oh my gosh. My wife would hate, hate you asking this question, by the way. <laughs> She'd be like, do not encourage him. This question is from Satan, not from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I'll show you what my latest hobby is. Uh, my latest hobby is this right here. This, uh, this is, believe it or not, um, it's an antique fountain pen. Yeah. From the, from the 1960s. Oh, wow. And I, and I have three others, uh, from the, uh, two from the thirties and one from the forties. So lately, uh, it's been antique fountain pens. I, I bought it. I bought an old chair from somebody three weeks ago through Facebook marketplace, having no idea who they were. I ended up buying the chair in his garage and then we moved into his living room and he showed me his antique fountain pen collection. Oh. And then, then the next day, a complete stranger, I'd never met this man. We met in an antique store. He restored two pens for me. And now his wife is looking <laughs> at joining my dad's small group. Wow. Look at that. God's moving in fountain pens. So that is the story. <laughs> if you want to know me and that's what I should have shared at the very beginning. This gives you a small window <laughs> into my craziness. That's awesome. 
I love fountain pens. I was just thinking the other day, I need to get like a good one just to write, even though I have bad yeah. handwriting and makes it look better. <laughs> I do too. I have terrible handwriting. Most of the things that I, so another one of my weirdness, I have typewriters. Like right now I can literally see five typewriters from right where I'm sitting right now. Oh wow. And uh, so normally I, I type a note because I write a lot of thank you notes. So mm-hmm. I type a thank you note and then I just sign my name because my handwriting's so bad. But um, you throw I'm people off track. You're like, they're, they get the note and they're like, what is this, a typewriter? <laughs> yeah. Well, people ask, like, is this real? Yeah. And I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. You have a typewriter? Uh, well, more accurately, typewriters, yeah. plural. But um, yeah, it's uh, the fountain pen. It's been fun. Like I, I, um, I've been doing a lot of journaling and like just like my prayer yeah. life and stuff like that. And it's been, it's been a really cool thing to just be able to write more stuff down. So and the, the nerdiness in me loves that I'm writing up with a fountain pen from 1960s. Well, that's awesome. I don't think there's a fountain pen podcast. Is there? You, you should start one. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a need for it. Oh, there, there should be an antique collector weirdo podcast. And I would, <laughs> you would host that one. Yeah. Oh, I would be very qualified for that. That's hilarious. All right. Well, let's jump on to the, the two questions I ask all my guests is the time you had godly discernment about a decision in your life and what that looked like and what you learned from it. And then also a time you did not have godly discernment and, and also what you learned from it. Yeah. For me, there's so many things that I can look at. Um, and really, uh, I, I think I had something I mentioned before is the, the, how the, the book deal came about. So, uh, I'm a very simple man and I I thank God he knows how we're wired. Yeah. And I, for the longest time in my life, I honestly don't think I ever had made a decision because God made it so clear to me Mm. what I was supposed to do with, with, with writing a book again. Um, so I had a small publisher come to me directly and say, we want to write a book. And I said no to them. Then my friend, Tim, who ended up ultimately helping me get the book deal said, you should write a book. And so when he did that, uh, I went back to that first small publisher and said, Hey, I might be interested. They flew me somewhere. I met with them and they basically said, you write anything and we'll publish it. Wow. So I called my friend Tim back and I'm like, Hey, I listened to you. I just met with this publisher and he's like, what? And I was like, what what are you talking about? He's like, that's great. I'm talking like a major publisher. Like, I feel like you should write with a major publisher. And I was like, gosh, I thought you'd be encouraged that I met with this publisher. And he's like, nothing wrong with that. But like, I just feel like God wants like to really use you to write something. And I'm like, okay. And so he got me this phone call. And so really the discernment, I I just, what, what I did during that time was I just felt like God wanted me to take the next step. And so I did, I made that phone call to that small publisher. And then I started working on a book proposal. Mm. I, like I, I just, my act that I felt like God wanted me to do was just take the next step, not to shove the door down, but just right. to take the next step while listening to the counsel of people who love me, who love Jesus and have nothing to, to gain from whatever I make the decision. And so for me, there was Tim first off. Um, who is not, I mean, he's a very solid follower of Christ, loves Jesus, is not interested in celebrity Christianity at all, opening doors for me to write a book. Mm-hmm. And then I had a group of friends that I was asking questions as well. Like, what do you guys think? What do you think? All of them were saying, you need to do this. You need to do this. People who know me, who care about me, 
we're saying you need to do this. And so that was a time that I didn't want to do something. But again, here's a door that uh, what I'm aware of, there's no pastor in South Dakota that's had this opportunity. That's kind of bizarre from a friend who's not interested in celebrity Christianity at all. That's opening the door for me. All my close friends are saying to do this and I have the ability to do it. And so I walked through the door and God kept opening doors. Mm. It was almost away from the hard work of actually writing the manuscript and the proposal. It was effortless, Mm. which is the opposite of what I think most people encounter. Again, it took a lot of hard work. I had to make time. It took two months for me to write a proposal. So it took a ton of extra time. So it wasn't easy, but the doors were just like, bam, 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 bam. While again, wise counsel was telling me, this is wise. You need to do this. This is a great opportunity. And it's the same group who would also say no to other opportunities. You know, so it's not a bunch of yes people. Yeah. I, I, brought, I can remember bringing another opportunity to, to them and then being like, I don't think you have time for that. Yeah. I, and, I, and I really wanted it. I was like, but this is a great opportunity. <laughs> um, but it also, this doesn't seem like the right time. Mm. And I'm like, oh, what? And again, it's a faith-filled group of people. Yeah. Not not a play it safe group of people. You don't want to you don't want a group of people who play it safe because because uh it's impossible to please God without faith. Right. So when you yeah. go for discernment, you don't want faithless people. Even if they're like the deepest Christians ever, the book of Hebrews would argue and say, mm, "Yep, he knows his Greek really well, but it's impossible to please God without faith." Yeah. But no, but he's deep. It's impossible to please God without faith. Right. But no, like he knows his stuff like he prays really elegant, eloquent prayers. It's impossible to please God without faith. So right. you really, I mean, so you want faithful people who are going to push you, but also people who are going to say, Hey, this is wrong. Yeah. Not even because it's wrong, like sin, it's just wrong for you right now. So that was one example of really listening to God, even though I didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, because anytime you do something outside the box, anytime you do something by faith, you will be criticized or you'll open yourself for criticism Yeah, immediately. I mean, especially in small town, South Dakota, nobody had ever written a book. And so one of the things I started to hear was, oh, he's just all about like being a celebrity Mm. and this kind of thing. And I'm like, no, that's actually the reason I didn't want to do this. Yeah. So that was one example. Example, um, I, I, I won't give a specific example. For me and my personality, again, I'm a driven stubborn mule. For me, the times that I didn't listen to God is um, we're supposed to be persistent in prayer. I just read the words from Jesus from Matthew, um, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. In one of the translations that I was reading this morning, it talked about persistently seeking, mm. persistently knocking. So there's there's a difference between just being lazy and whatever. So I I but there's also a difference between persistently knocking on a door and taking a sledgehammer to it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. And that's what this guy has been guilty of many, many times. Forcing it to happen. Forcing it to happen. Yeah. And, um, uh, and not listening to people who are like, mm, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Again, faithful people. Right. Who are like, hey, Adam, I don't think this is right. There's nothing wrong that what you're doing. You just need to breathe or you need to take a breath or you need to stay healthy. 
And so um, what, I, what I've been praying lately is anytime, by the way, you might be able to force a door open. Just mm-hmm. to the person listening, you might be able to get a sledgehammer big enough to break the door open. But anytime we open a door on, on our strength and our cleverness and power, uh, you might get into the room you're trying to get in, but it's all on you to keep the door open behind mm, you. That's good. You got to keep striving. Imp- yeah. You got to keep impressing people yeah. in that room because God didn't open it. You did. You need to keep uh, putting on a show and dancing to stay yeah. in the room. And it's, there's no peace, no joy. Blah. Yeah. But when God opens a door that you've been persistently knocking, you've been doing the hard work of knocking, you know, like it might be, Hey, I want this opportunity. I'm, I want this opportunity to preach. It's different than just being like, I don't know why they don't let me preach. I don't know why they don't let me preach. That's called laziness. Yeah. Per- persistently knocking is, hmm, I really want to preach on that stage, but I'm going to start preaching on all these small stages in the meantime. For, for youth, man, if I get an opportunity, but there's only 10 youth in the room, that's, that's not the kind of stage I want. Mm. Well, that's the, that's the kind of stage that God's giving there you right go. now. There we go. That's awesome. And so again, like laziness is like, I don't know why they won't let me preach on Sunday mornings. That's where I need to be. Like <laughs> yeah. they're just, they're just, they don't know. And they're old and outdated and they, they don't know how awesome I am. That's laziness. Be faithful in the small. Being faithful in the small is there's 10 people in this room. Yeah. And I'm going to show up like the room's pack. Mm. This morning I led a prayer time. Uh, I texted a group of friends last night at six o'clock. Um, this morning I led a prayer time at 7 a.m. in the house behind mine. There was seven people there. Mm-hmm. I prepared for it like there was 700 people. Wow. And that's um, good. And so that's that faithfully knocking. But but it, when you so when you when you faithfully knock and you do your thing and you preach on this like the whatever, when God opens the doors and you get in the room, it might be the same exact room that you took a sledgehammer to. But when you get in that room and it's God that opens it, guess what? Total peace. Yeah. Total joy. No, no needing to impress, no needing to keep dancing to impress mm-hmm. everybody. You can just come in and you can be yourself. And God's just like, yep, I, I got, got you. you. Yeah, I got you. There's total peace. And if they, and if they uninvite you into that room that I got you in, okay. Yeah. But it's not, it's not your worth. It's not your identity. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's two long answers. No, that's great. And, uh, you know, I talk about one of the sources of discernment being godly relationships, like you said, but it's different than just feedback because we get feedback from all angles all the time, especially yeah. like if you said, if you're in a, in a ministry or if you're on a, on a pedestal, you know, you get feedback from people that you probably shouldn't listen to. And so it takes discernment to know who to listen to, who's hearing yes. from God and yes. does it align with what God is telling you? Because if it's just a random voice that doesn't align with the voice, it doesn't confirm what God is telling you then yes. don't listen to it because you know, you're not going to get multiple voices that conflict with God. And so it's important, especially when you're looking at that open door, because God will make it very clear. And sometimes it's that you have, he puts a vision on your life and a passion for something, but it's not the right timing. He wants you to be faithful where you're at. And then it might be five, 10 years down the road because we know God's timing is not our timing. And so if you try to sledgehammer the door, like you're saying, you're going to strive and you're going to wonder why you're spinning your wheels and it's not, well, well, God, you gave me this vision. Well, yeah, I gave you the vision, but I didn't want you to take action right now. I want you to prepare your heart. I want you to practice preaching. I want you to 
to be faithful in the small things. I want you to be faithful to your family. I want you to do yeah. be faithful to your ministry and your job before I pulled you, pull you out and take you to a different ministry. So I've, good. I've had to learn that myself. You know, uh, even it's funny. I talked to someone else who wrote a book and it was the same thing. God inspired them to write it. And it almost just happened effortlessly. Like you said, and the same thing happened with my book. It's not that there weren't nights when I had writer's block and I couldn't come up with something. It's just that it happened over time. It almost like, I don't even know where the time went. It just kind of came came out. And I'm not yes. someone who likes to write. I'm not someone who will tell you today, I will write a book in six months because I won't unless God, yeah. you know, has gives me that passion again for a second book. You know, it has to be something that we're not just trying to build our own kingdom. We're trying to build God's. And a lot of time that looks different than the human effort to make something happen. That's so good. And, and the effortless part, it, um, I, I want to swing back to around to that because the process of, of getting a book deal away from the hard work I put in really was effortlessly. But what gave me that opportunity was a decade mm. of hard work when no one was seeing mm. me. Yeah. So that was my story. Again, like, like planting this church that I didn't want to start. First three years, we were almost closed because we weren't growing. So there was all this stuff. Rarely is there an overnight success. And the person who has overnight success, I almost grieve for them because I'm like, ooh, yeah, there's a lot of rocky days coming ahead. So, but another person, it might take years of hard work of write, like a true writer. My yeah. friend Tim is a true writer. He doesn't have this big church platform that opened up the the book deal for him. Yeah. He's a writer. So he took years of writing and not being seen before he got his first opportunity. Um, so it looks different, but when it's, when God is the one who opened doors, there's just this thing that's like, it just sets it up. It just sets it apart and it, it yeah. changes things. And, and a lot of times we want the promotion without going through the journey and the process to get there. We <laughs> just see, we see like, Oh, I, want, I wish I had that. I wish I had that stage. I wish I had whatever. But like you said, you don't know your journey of 10 years to get there. You don't know another person's journey and the struggles they face, the hills and valleys and how God brought them out of those valleys. And now they have a testimony. We don't, we don't see all those things. And so we can't just wish for the promotion without going through the process. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is so good, but I'm going to move on to your book. So um, in your book, Talking with God, you talked about how to pray and prayer is a key component of having discernment. And you, you touched on that earlier. So the book is very about, is very much about just simple talking conversation with God where over sometimes we overcomplicate it. So how do you say to someone who just needs a prayer life but overcomplicates it? What's what are some good strategies to just make it simple? Oh it's so so good. I, I think to remember that it's a relationship with God. And maybe there's like a what I what I'd tell you is picture somebody in your life that is the um the, the way you have conversation is effortless with. So, and, and you feel like you can be a hundred percent yourself. So think about a person that's just, every time you're with them, you just, it's just like a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, they get me. 
Yeah. I don't need to pretty my words up. They just understand. For me, that person's my dad. Mm. Um, my dad is just like, I, I never feel pressure when I'm with him to say something, to fill empty space. Yeah. And when I'm with him, I'm with him. And my soul is just at peace and at rest, infinitely greater than my dad as God. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that ability to come to not pretty anything up. Uh, it, even Jesus, Abba Father, like that's a very, like to us, that sounds fancy. Yeah. Like, oh, Abba Father, oof, holy God, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like right. Abba Father was a very intimate term. Yeah. And so again, like when I talk to my dad, it's dad. I love, I love you. Mm -hmm. Oh, how are you doing today? It's been a hard day. Really tell me about your day. Yeah. Well, I just had to have this really hard conversation or I I failed or I screwed up. I mean, it's, it's so effortlessly in my dad. I have great respect for him. So I would never say anything foolish to him or hurtful to him, or I'd never be like, Oh, my dad, he's such an idiot. Like I would, I would never do that around my dad. Not because I'm worried about him hitting me, but because he's my dad and he's, I just don't want to, I don't, I just respect him so much infinitely greater. Again, that's what God, I mean, so you're not going to be flippant with God, but you can be exactly where you are. I, I, a quote that I read this morning to my prayer group is from C.S. Lewis. I brought it up on my phone. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, we must lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Mm. Basically, he's saying like, whatever's inside you, yes, come as you are, whatever's in you, instead of feeling like you need to say special things, like Jesus is like the only person who uh, prettys up their words are the Pharisees, you know, like the only, like, and so I think just to come right where you are and to say whatever you're feeling to God, just whatever's inside you, I'm scared, I'm hurting, I'm restless, I'm broken. Just however, just however it is. And in those moments, so often I have these moments when I'm praying and I'm like, I just don't have the words to describe how much I love you, God. Mm. Or I just don't have the words to explain how much I'm hurting right now. Like it feels like a weight is on my chest because I'm so broken. I'm so thankful in those moments. What I would tell the person is, uh, uh, God, we're, we're told in the word that God understands the groans of our hearts. Yeah. And um, so, so even that, so like, even in those moments, cause I get frustrated when I don't have the right words. Right. Cause I'm like, I just don't think I'm telling you how much I love you. Um, I just want to, I want to articulate how glad I am for you. And God's just like, you don't need to get frustrated. I see that. Oh yeah. my gosh. I'm so glad you feel that way about me. So I think just how, whatever, whatever those groans and words are just to speak them to God if you need a little bit of guidance, just w- what do you what do you appreciate about God? Like, tell him what you what you appreciate about his character. Um, you know, just list off things about his character. You can yeah. uh, there's a a, a way of praying that's called acts. Mm. Uh, the the A stands for adoration. Yeah. So just tell him what you what I'm thankful for your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for your joy. Uh, I'm thankful that you're you're unchanging. Um, and then the, the C part of the acts is confession. 
Like, God, what, what do I need to confess? And, and, and the T is thanksgiving and the S is a big fancy word supplication. That just means like your request before God. Right. But that's, that's sometimes we need a little bit of structure just to help us have those conversations that they're awkward. Um, but for me, my prayer life, you know, this morning I prayed with a group of people for 45 minutes. So that's kind of a structured time. But one of the things I've, I've tried to do for the last years, like a decade, is just conversational prayer throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, just anytime I'm feeling something, just to pray. I think about, um, that's really good, by the way. And I think about what, there's a picture going around on social media where someone starts to journal and they just write God. And then you just see teardrops and it says that God hears that prayer too. And that's so, yes. that's so moving because God knows you know, he likes us to express ourselves in words, but at the same time, if all you have is just coming as you are and just crying before God and in bringing your, your, your stress and your emotions to God, like he loves hearing that too. And he wants to comfort you in that moment. So I want to move on to your book. Love has a name. So you talk about um, showing others love and how God has shown us love and to be in people's story and to understanding their story helps us gain a platform in their life to, to speak to speak love, to speak truth to their life. And you also talk about, um, you know, love can be hard in a culture that doesn't always show us love. And a lot of times we don't feel worthy of love ourselves, but a lot of times feelings are a poor indicator of love and even discernment for that matter. So what would you say to people and just talk about your book and what would you say to people is what is the key to showing love, even if we don't feel lovely ourselves? Oof, that's, that's good. I, I think um, I'm going to give you two different answers. I think to the person who doesn't feel lovely themselves, um, I'd really encourage you just to, to sit and be still more often. Um, maybe there's a specific Psalm that talks about how God, how God pursues us and how God is faithful towards us and how God um, wonderfully made us. So, you know, Psalm 139 that we just need to start holding on to. Um, the last chapter in my book is, um, is talks about the hardest person to love in my life is myself. Yeah. And so the last chapter I title it you, cause each chapter in my book is the name of a person who's either loved me or I've tried to love them. And so the last chapter is you. And I, I talk about, um, our friend named John, John wrote the gospel of Johnny also wrote a bunch of letters, and he referred to himself as the one he loves. Mm, yeah. um, and I can't imagine that being my go-to description of like, well, who tell me about yourself? You know, even that your, your first question to me, I started telling you about my family and my job and yeah. whatever. But the first thing John tells us is I'm the, I'm the one he loves. Yeah. Like that's who I am. And I, I think, um, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. It's hard to love your neighbor as your, uh, it's not a good thing to love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself. Right, and so I think it's an important thing, and again, that's one of the hardest people for me to love is my 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 own self, and so I think really staying close to the heart of God and really claiming truth over our lives instead of lies about us. You're your past. You're defined by your mistakes or your shortcomings or whatever it might be. No, those things are true about me, but I'm defined by what God says about me. I'm defined by uh, who God is and who I am in the light of who God is. So I think that's an important thing when it comes to loving others, as you shared, like there's something powerful that happens when we get to know a person's name mm-hmm. and we get to, we get to know a person's story Yeah, and um, it changes it. Like, you know, right now we're it's politics. And so 
uh, it's easy to dehumanize people. You're a Trump supporter. Right. You're a Biden supporter. No, they're well, they're actually a person, first off. Right. No, they're no, they're not. They're just people that I hate. Mm. They're people who are ignorant. Those are they're people who uh I don't know if they even have a brain. Like mm. they they're voting for that guy. Like, right. are you kidding? And so it's easy to treat people humanely when we don't see them as human, but all of a sudden we're like, oh. Yeah, they're a Trump supporter, Biden supporter, but his name's Mark and he's actually got a story. And gosh, I didn't know that about his story. Now I can understand why he is a Republican or I can understand why he's a Democrat and he's actually a fairly intelligent person. Okay. Oh, and he actually doesn't agree with everything that Biden and Trump say. Okay. Oh, oh. all of a sudden it's just, it changes, you know? And the person that we detest at the office, Oftentimes, anger and snarkiness and being a jerk is a a sign of a hurting person. You know, the person with a huge ego is trying to overcompensate for something else. It's like the bully in fifth grade, you know, he had something going on at home, you know? Yeah. And when you you just get to know that part, all of a sudden, um, it begins to change how you see them Mm -hmm. and how you talk about them and how you treat them. And all of a sudden, you find yourself caring for them and being kind to them. And so I think just getting to know the name of, of a person and getting to know their name of their story is, is a powerful thing. Yeah. Well, that's so good. And I can't believe we're almost at the end of our time, but my yeah, last yeah. question, my last question for you is, is about your book. You say that love makes every day an adventure. And I think so often we go through our days on kind of autopilot, you know, we just get through morning to night and then we wake up and do it again. But how can loving people in thoughtful and unexpected ways turn our normal routines into a, a wonderful adventure? Yeah. Favorite question you've asked. (laughs) Um, Each day, wake up. This is something I pray almost every single day. Lord, would you help me to find one person that I can go out of my way to love today? Mm. And you begin to pray that and you will find yourself talking to the most random people, doing the most random things, doing things that you're just like, what am I doing in this dark alley? talking to a guy named Merle right now for, you know, (laughs) but it's, it just turns and it doesn't even take extra time. A lot of people are like, I don't have any time to do this. It might be the people that you're already crossing paths with that you're just not stopping to acknowledge. Mm. And so each day just wake up and be like, I'm looking for one person. I promise you when you begin to set aside your agenda and your goals for the week and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't mean giving them up, but just like, God, I'm, And just beginning to look for that one person, it will turn into one of the coolest adventures. Uh, And it may not be even a person at first. You may feel like God is telling you to do an action. Like, I I feel like I'm supposed to do this one thing. That's so stupid. And you just feel in your soul. This is kind of discernment on a smaller scale. Uh, that's the thing. If you start doing those two things or even one of those two things, I promise you. So quick example. Uh, this is like a year and a half ago. I woke up one morning and I felt like God was telling me to go buy flowers for my, my friend named Matt. Mm. So I, as I'm brushing my teeth, I start thinking about my friend, Matt, who is very, very well off financially, does not need anything. Well-to-do, married, family, has a great life. And I start feeling buy flowers for Matt. I'm like, that is the stupidest idea. I'm not buying flowers for Matt. <laughs> Go buy flowers for Matt. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, so I'm on my way to work. 
and uh, go buy flowers for Matt. I'm like, I do not have time because I'm going to work on a message here to tell people about you. And so I'm going to talk about you, God. And so I need time to work on my message talking about you so I can tell others about you. This is a really holy thing to do, God. I don't know if you know this, but this is a really important thing to do. Go buy Matt flowers. It, it, It was so strong that I literally was like, I cannot work on my message because of buying flowers for Matt. So I went to a flower shop, bought flowers, looked in our database, found Matt's, Matt's address, went to his house. I get there. I knock and it's the, not the right house. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I feel like I'm in the right neighborhood. I just have the wrong address. And so I'm out in this fancy neighborhood driving in circles. I'm like, I almost called the cop on myself just that I was concerned that I was going to rob a house. <laughs> but you know, And finally I see a flag and I knew he liked, he likes hockey. And he, I was like, there's not many hockey fans. That's gotta be his house. I went up to his house, knocked on the door. His wife answered. She's so kind. She's, Oh, this is so thoughtful of you. Awesome. I go, I, I leave there and I go back to the office angry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, God, now I can work on that message after losing an hour and a half of my day to buy Matt flowers, a guy who could buy the flower shop himself. Right. And who buys flowers for another dude? <laughs> Later that night, Matt calls. And he's like, hey, can we get, can we get together for coffee tomorrow? I'm like, oh, sure. Awesome. We get together and he said, yesterday morning, He's like, it's been a really hard few weeks, few months. I'm like, okay. okay. He said, yesterday morning as I was getting ready, I got on my knees in my bathroom. And I said, God, you have to show me a sign that you care about me. Wow. Would you show me a sign that you you see me? He's newer, he's newer in his relationship with God. So this is a big step that he's doing this. Like, yeah. would you just, because I don't feel your love right now. Mm. And he told me that I said, what time were, what time were you doing that? He said in the morning, he told me the time literally as I'm brushing my teeth. Wow. And here's this man, very successful man crying in front of me. Mm. He said, when I got home and I saw those flowers, he said, it was like, it was like the hand of God himself reached out and brought something to the front door of my house. Wow. And he said, I just wanted to get together to thank you. And um, I was like, oh, I said, well, Matt, I don't know if this is weird to hear. I said, "Um, I didn't want to buy you flowers. And he said, what? I said, for an hour and a half, I complained audibly Mm. about buying you flowers until finally I did. I got to your house. It was the wrong house. And he started to sobbing in front of me. He's like, you're kidding me. I said, I promise you, it was not out of the kindness of my heart that I brought you flowers. It was out of God haggling me for that long. I mean, it's just like amazing. This morning, seven guys came to my house. Again, seven, eight guys. One of them, Matt. Mm. Wow. I mean, from that moment on, like, I mean, I, and again, he, he is so busy. There's a trillion people that would want to sit down with him. I mean, every time I text him, unless he's out of the state, he's there. Wow. Could, could it be just be because I dropped off flowers? Um, 
it's just, it turned into an adventure, you know, here. And when we begin to do that, one last, th- one last thing, specifically for the driven people, um, I'm beginning to realize that, that the things that I think are big things, you know, like book deals and mega church. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty, you know, this is what we do to ourselves. Like we talk, I don't know if you know this, I'm a pretty big deal. Like, <laughs> You know, like in bankers, yeah. like I, I'm a, I'm a bank manager, like a, right. like, do you know that I got, oh, I got a mega church. I'm like a big deal. And God's like, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, the things that you think are big are actually really, really small, Adam. Yeah. Like you're, you're an infant still in this relationship with God. God, I've been following you for 19 years. Yep. You're still really a baby Christian. Nine, mm. 19 years. That's kind of cute. <laughs> and um, the things that you think are big are actually really, really small. And also Adam, the things that you think are really, really small like buying flowers for your friend when I told you to buy flowers for your friend are actually really, really big. Mm. And so for me at the end of my life, I don't want to get to the end and and, um, show off to God, all my, my big things that are really small. I want, I want to bring to God all my small things that before him were huge. Mm. The things that never got mentioned in a book on a podcast, the things that never got in outreach magazine, like, um, those are the things that I want to have handfuls of and, um, people that I didn't even remember cross and pass with them. I want them to be like, Hey, and one day, uh, you and your daughter made cookies for me. And, um, you showed me that God loved me. And one day you took a free family photo of me outside the food banquet. And that was a really big deal. And one day uh, you bought a basketball hoop for me and my friends because our basketball hoop was broken and a local basketball coach gave you two basketballs to give us because we didn't even have a basketball. Like those are the things that I just want to have so many of them. Um, and I pray that anybody listening, that you, you begin to have eyes to see the small things, which are really, really big. Wow. That is so powerful. And I've seen that in my life too, just being faithful to something that seems so random and how God uses it. And I've, I know I've heard many stories from other people. If anyone listening has a story of, of something like that, just send in, send me an email. I'd love to, good. you know, share them anonymously, but um, you know, the world might call them random acts of kindness, but I might call them discerning acts of kindness. You know, it's <laughs> not just, it's not just a shotgun approach. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but when we follow God, you know, we're going to have discernment about when to intercede on someone's behalf for something small to show them that God cares for them. And that's so amazing. And you might, you might do that small thing and you might not see the, the, seed of corn grow right before your eyes. Yeah. You may never see it. Yeah. Um, sometimes it happens right before your eyes. Like with Matt, the next day he showed me the ear of corn from the seed. Yeah. But sometimes we plant seeds and we do things and we're like, that was so stupid mm-hmm. or that was so wasteful. And God's like, dude, uh, it takes a look like I always think if a farmer planted corn and the next day came out in this field and was like, I failed. You'd be <laughs> right? like, um, no, actually come back in October. And um, yeah, you just planted it yesterday, but I know, I don't know why it's not growing. Mm. Well, it, it, it actually takes longer than a day to grow corn. <laughs> you right? know? And so yeah. I think that's a good word for me. People like myself too, that I need to hear that as well. Yeah, we plant the Holy Spirit does the work. Awesome. Adam, that's so good. And I thank you so much for coming on. Just let everyone know where they can connect with you and get your books. Yeah, you can you can get the book anywhere. So Amazon, Target, Walmart, Barnes and Noble. Um, I'd be so grateful to get a copy and get a copy for a friend. 
Um, for me personally, um, I'm on all social platforms. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. It's Adam A. Weber. And on Twitter, it's just Adam Weber. And uh, if you have a question, if you read the book, I'd be just thrilled. Um, one of the greatest joys is hearing from people. This morning, I just got a message from a gal who's just finished reading my book. And I'm like, oh, God is so good. So it's, it's just a huge encouragement just to hear from people. And if you have questions, I'd love to try to answer them too. Awesome. I'll definitely put those in the show notes. And thank you again for coming on. God bless you and your ministry and your family. Thank you so much, Tim. And thanks for being faithful and uh, just an absolute joy to cross paths. That's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for being here. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Adam Weber. Make sure you check out his info in the show description and make sure you get a copy of the free 14-day journal that I told you about at the beginning. Go in the show notes. and You'll see a link to get your free 14-day discernment devotional called Eyes on Jesus that I just released. And for next week, a little bit different for me than just interviewing one person, I'm going to be talking to the director and the producer of a movie called Faith Under Fire. It was released in November of 2020. It has Kevin Sorbo and Dean Cain in it, and it's an awesome Christian movie with a great message. If you want to check it out, it's on digital demand. That way you're ready to go for next week when I interview the director and the producer. So until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.